Hello, Nathan. Hello, Trev. How's it going, all right? I'm all right, mate. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. And this week, we need to talk about the 1986 comedy action thriller Big Trouble in Little China. Martial arts thriller, I should say. It's a bit martial artsy, isn't it? It is a bit martial artsy, isn't it? Isn't it a bit martial artsy? It's part of the zeitgeist, I suppose, wasn't it? Right. What's the zeitgeist? The times. You know, part of that. The films of the time. Right. Yeah. I'm I suppose with you. Uh, martial arts. Wouldn't they? Well, late seventies into the eighties, weren't they? It was all kung fu and yeah, stuff like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit, a bit like it. It's a good. Um, do you know what? I've forgotten how good it was. Yeah? You did enjoy I, it? Yeah, I really, really had a lot of fun watching that. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. But it was another audience uh, recommendation. So Andy Hunt suggested that. So later on, I got a little email to read out from Andy. But before we get into that, a um, couple of things. First of all, the other week, do you remember two weeks ago, Nath, what we re- reviewed? Oh, um keith no <laughs> yeah 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 i'm with you yeah nuts in may yeah um just i'll read some comments on that we had alex n said never heard of this but it sounds awesome dinga dinga said i want to see the zoo he said i want to see the zoo and woodside walker said keith <laughs> <laughs> they got the gist of it and yeah. um Johnny Waffle said, one of my all-time favourites. Come along, Candice Marie. Oh, but Keith. <laughs> he says, I've got this on VHS, an absolute classic. And Lewis Art UK says, classic. So, not many people have heard of it, but those who have, remember it. <laughs> As I yeah. said. It's got a place dear in my heart, that one. Um, so, we've had another week, Nathan. Have you seen anything this week? Have you watched anything? Yourself? I haven't, mate. I just haven't had a chance, if I'm honest. No. No, I haven't had time. How about you? I have, actually. I went to the cinema. Yeah. It's weird, because I don't really like horror films. I do, and I don't. You know, I don't like commercial horror films, where it's all predictable jump scares and what have you. And the horror films of James Wan... Not James Bond, James Wan. He done like, um, I think he done the Saw films. I haven't seen those, but he done like The Conjuring, Insidious. And you know the Conjuring films in that? The ones about the the spiritualists who go in and help people who are possessed by devils and haunted houses and stuff. And it's meant to be based on true stories. And it's all sort of predictable, jump scary. And some of the Conjuring ones wasn't bad but they all get a bit ridiculous at the end. Yeah. Whereas uh, I sort of read a few reviews just on Instagram, just a couple of people I follow on Instagram had put up a post about Malignant and people were saying, no, I didn't like it. It was too different to all his other stuff and it was weird and it was strange. And I was like, (laughs) do you know what? I want to watch this. Sounds weird and strange and unpredictable. And people were just saying, you know, it was a really weird ending or whatever. And I thought, this sounds too interesting not to watch. So I went to the cinema to watch that. Yeah. It was fucking load of wank. 
be honest, Naif. Predictable, tired, yeah. wank, samey. Yeah, it got to, like, within the first minute, the first couple of minutes of watching it, Yeah, there's like an intro that's set in the past, and it looks so bad that you think, oh, is this a film within a film? Are they going to see someone watching a shit horror film in a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, like, realise... Oh no, it is actually just the introduction of the film, but it's so fucking awful. But then the woman in that is set in the past, about 30 years ago. Then it's the titles, and then it comes into the present, and you meet the main character, and you think, oh, so it's got to have something to do with her, because she's the main character. Yep. So already, you've worked out the twist, (laughs) or I had. All these things are happening to this girl, Related to this killer who walks around in a ghostly silhouette, the same sort of looks like every ghostly character since with like greasy black hair, walks like they're walking backwards and stuff. Same as the ring, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every jump scare throughout it was just, just, ah, oh, this is awful. But they keep laying breadcrumbs of this twist, you know, Ooh, you're not going to believe this. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I can work it out now. You don't have to keep hinting. I got it at the beginning, and now it's like, I don't know. And some of the reviews I've read, some of the people saying, oh, I didn't see it coming. And I think if you didn't see that twist coming, you don't read films very well because it was just so blatantly obvious. Ah, Yeah. I was just bored. And it was too long for a horror film. It just seemed to go on and on, and the characters were shit. Yeah, shit. One of the worst films I've ever watched at a cinema, I think. I just wanted it to end, but then you've paid money to go there. Do you know what I mean? What was it called? Malignant? Malignant, yeah. Mm. So, I mean, what? Stagnant would have been a better title? <laughs> Stagnant, yeah, would have been a better title. Uh. So, uh, yeah, I didn't think much of it. Well. Is that all right? Well, thanks for, you know, having your honest <laughs> review, mate. <laughs> it was an honest review, yeah. Straight down the line, that one, mate. Some people might like all that sort of thing, but, you know, like I say, I don't want to see the same old tired jump scares, the same old stupid scary music. I mean, even like in that, there's a song um, by the Pixies called Where Is Your Mind? And they sort of keep playing that song. Yeah. And it like, as if, oh, it's really clever because it hints. It doesn't hint. It just tells you, yeah, right, all right. Where is her mind? You know, it's it's so blindingly obvious to the twist again. It's like, anyway, forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. So anyway, because tonight is an 80s film, a classic 80s film, I went over onto the, the old FB and the old YT and I asked people, Yeah. so what's your favourite film from the 80s? You've had some replies. What's your favourite film from the 80s, Nath? While I'm at it. My favourite film from the 80s? That's what I said. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever thought about that question, but I guess I'd probably... I'd probably shoot in the Back to the Future range somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, they are classic. Or No, Star Wars, maybe. One of the, like... Star Wars, it was only uh, Return of the Jedi was the only one in the 80s. Yeah. Return of the Jedi was a fucking good film, though. Yeah. Yeah. The weaker of that trilogy, I'd say, but I still enjoy it. 
uh, our audience says, Dean Harvey said, the best of the best. A god-awful film, but I love it. James Earl Jones, legend. Don't know that one, do you? No. Best of the best. I don't think I've ever heard of it. Oh, it's a martial arts by the looks of it. Another martial arts film from 1989 with Eric Roberts, Chris Penn and James Earl Jones. Was it as... Um, uh, what was that one that Jean-Claude Van Damme was in? Where is it Bloodsport? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he goes to that ridiculous uh, tournament somewhere in China, this hidden tournament? I don't know. Is it what but, they parody it, in um, Hot Shots Part 2? Uh, no, no, no. That, that was that, um, like a fight scene, doesn't he? Where he's getting the glass on his gloves. That's in Rambo, though, isn't it? Ah, that's Rambo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. He, um, uh, anyway, it's meant to be based on the true story about this guy, but like literally um, none of it could be backed up. And then I started looking into it, and it's just the guy that it was based on. I can't remember his name. Oh, he's just the fucking absolute prick. Thought he was some sort of. Uh, martial arts legend and then had his ass handed to him on a plate at a convention or something but I anyway <laughs> it's a real funny story if anyone knows it it's worth worth reading up on or, or coming in on because I just couldn't believe the film ever got made it was so fucking ridiculous it was awful <laughs> I was never just, really into the old uh, fight like John claude Van Damme and nah. Steven Seagull and all that sort of thing, you know. Oh, Under Siege. That's worth... Oh, Under Siege was like the only one I think I ever watched. Yeah. Steven Seagal. And you get to see some boobs. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, I don't know, mate. What was your favourite 80s film? Yours? <sighs> yeah, I'm down the... No, that was 70s, mate. Was it 70s, was Five. it? Yeah. Fucking hell. I'm down the... Uh, Back to the Future, I reckon. It's one of my favourite 80s films. Robocop. Oh, yeah. One of my favourites. A- um, Alien? Aliens is an 80s film. Was Alien 70s? Mm-hmm. Was it? I think, seven, I think 79. Fuck. Um, Jason Paris said Flash Gordon. He said this before. I don't know if he's teasing us. Because <laughs> so I thought Flash Gordon, I always have memories of that being pretty awful, but it's one of those cult classics, isn't it? It is awful, but it is fun, isn't it? <laughs> Gordon's alive! <laughs> Uh, Rob Jones says, either Young Guns or The Lost Boys for me. Um, I said I've never seen Young Guns, I don't think. I'm getting into Westerns a bit now, so maybe I'll look for it, give it a watch. But The Lost Boys was all right. Yeah. A bit of fun as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that, The Vampires? Yeah, that's um, Kiefer Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have seen that. And the two Corys, Haim and... The other one? I can't remember. Um, He put, I watched Young Guns last night. I reckon I see it at least twice a year. I'm aware it's not the greatest Western, but I just love it. It's just a fun film. I think that's the thing with the 80s, was a fun decade, really, wasn't they? What? The 70s was quite gritty. Yeah. And sort of getting sort of realistic. In the 80s, things just went back to just being sort of good fun. There's a lot of good, fun films from the 80s. What Um, what about... Yeah. Battery's not included. Oh, mate. That's one of my favourites. That's an 80s, isn't it? That is Got to be 80s. That was basically... Do you remember they used to have Steven Spielberg Presents? Like a load of different stories, wasn't it? Yeah. Like on the TV series. And it was like short stories each week. Battery's not included was originally one of those. And they decided to make the full version of it. 
Um, so they made it into a film. And I went to the cinema on a double bill, watched Police Academy 5, and uh, Batteries Not Included. And having watched them both recently, or in recent years, one of them has held up, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No prizes to guess which one. Uh, Kieran Kinsella says, the first Naked Gun film. See, I thought that was 90s, but he's right. It's eight, I think it was 88 or 89. I think it might have been 88. Airplane? Airplane, yeah. That's a classic 80s. Chris Benton says, The Thing. Yeah. John Carpenter. Again, yeah. Same director as tonight, isn't it? Yeah, Big yeah. Trouble in Little China. And um, Day Hughes Hike says, Now, that's a difficult question. For me, being born in 81, I'd have to go for either Gremlins or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That was the first film I ever saw at the cinema, so always memorable. I went to watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids at the cinema. Or did he mean Gremlins? No, he must have meant. He wouldn't have seen Gremlins at the cinema. Wouldn't have been old enough. No. But I did see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids at the cinema. I did like that. We watched it with the kids not not long ago, and that's good. Rick Moranis. Funny dude. Yeah, I always feel really bad when the ant dies. Yeah, yeah. you got a thing for ants, haven't you? Yeah, I, I think... Have you got your ant farm yet? No, I think I am going to get one, though. Yeah? Yeah, I'm quite up for the idea. I think sort of... <sighs> I love the idea of having ants as pets, but I'm terrified about what would happen if the glass breaks and they get out. Yeah, <laughs> but don't knock them over. I'm sure they won't. I, th- I think they might be proper dicks to their human overlord if they ever escape. <laughs> they probably would. Yeah. They probably would, unless they started farming you for your sugary, lactating <laughs> substance. <laughs> Oh, for your get... glistening tip <laughs> oh my god it could get really weird <laughs> anyway there's a film there isn't there isn't there just yeah uh, Lou and Lowell's Travels said Back to the Future one of the best ever made yeah I think yeah. it's one of the best scripts ever written I think Back to the Future Christ it's just faultless isn't it yeah 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 I don't, the other two not even, you know, they, they, it's a nice trilogy, but you can tell the other two are added on. Yeah. Whereas Back to the Future is just such a great contained concept. It's just perfect. Uh, T and Valhalla said, even in all, Cat says Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. But I am going to go with Aliens as... Uh, had my brother and I chasing each other around the garden with sticks and guns and beep beeping for weeks. <laughs> yeah, we used to play Alien. We used to play Robocop, actually, in uh, in our primary school, with all the violence and swearing all included, I remember. <laughs> and Mahali Wheeler says, it's got to be trading places. Ooh. That's a good one. Yeah. Inspired to hike, says, yep, agreed. Legendary film. Trading Places is a great film. It is a good film. I did like that. It's John Landis again, done uh, Blues Brothers. Right, yeah. Yeah, so that's all of the uh, correspondence there. That's a lot. That felt like a lot of correspondence. That was all uh, this time, last week, when we finished our podcast. Loads of people had commented afterwards. (laughs) But there you go. Never mind. Um, So, yeah, that's it for tonight. Thanks ever so much for joining us. (laughs) I'm only joking, Nathan. I'm only joking. Now, now we get on to the film. Oh, good. Shall we? Yeah, let's do the film. Shall I read Andy's email? Gandhi's email. Andy's email, because it's his choice. Oh yeah, let's read Gandhi's email. 
Let's Andy's sorry. email. It kept cutting out every time you said Andy. Let's read Andy's email. <laughs> <laughs> this right, here it goes. This is right up there for me as one of those that if you could only choose one film to be stranded on a desert island with, it's this. It's got everything a growing boy or grown ass man needs. Action, comedy, magic, romance, classic one-liners to recount at appropriate and inappropriate times in your own life, as I have done many times. I think Jack is what all men really are, just a bloke trying to get through any situation, not exactly knowing what the fuck is going on, but playing it like John Wayne or Clint Eastwood would, and coming out on the other side the better for it. Carpenter and Kurt work so well together and have just and have made some classics though this one nearly didn't happen as kurt said no at first because he had some box office flops and thought carpenter would be better off with someone else in the lead but carpenter said no hell no i want to work with you on this one good choice the studio bought the movie to be made as a western until carpenter came on and reworked it because of the golden child that was in production the studio also wanted jack nicholson to play jack Kurt actually turned down the role in Highlander to play Jack. Imagine that alternative universe. The Rock is planning a remake of Big Trouble, as we all know that will be sacrilegious pile of shit. Have fun with this one, boys. Enjoy it, and remember, it's all in the reflexes. Andy. Well, he sort of said everything we were going to, actually, so... Yeah, should we just agree and, and call it a day? Yeah, well done. Yeah, thanks ever so much for listening. Yeah, uh, <laughs> cheers, Andy. If you've got any questions, address them to Andy. Here's his personal email. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's made some of the points that I, uh, I I found in my research, actually. That, yeah, before Big Trouble in Little China was... Big Trouble in Little China, it was a Western. Right. And... Uh, the Jack, what's his name? Jack Burton. Yeah, the Jack Burton character was going to be a, a cowboy, rides into town, has his horse stolen, and then spends the whole film trying to get his horse back. Gets thrown into this sort of action adventure storyline. Yeah, yeah. Which is a bit of an inconvenience, but all he wants to do really is get his horse back. But they change the horse for a truck. What was the truck called, Nath? Can you remember? Oh, the. Pork Chop Express, was it? Mm. Yeah. Pork Chop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I used to like this film when I was younger. I'm not saying I used to, that I don't now. But I really, only really could remember one bit. Right. From this film. And that was the bit where the bloke expands at the end. Yeah, and I seem to they, they seem to remember there being more reason behind it. <laughs> yeah, this is what I, I was like, did I just blink and miss something? There? Did he just, <laughs> what did he, what did happen? Nothing happened to him, did it? No, I think he was just really angry. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what happens. Yeah, I thought, what happened? <laughs> yeah, I think basically, you know, um, you know, we're both using these smartwatches. I think if you let your stress level get too high on your smartwatch, that's what happens. That's what happens, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's My, why it's yeah. warning you. Uh, I this film, it was, it's a typical 80s film, isn't it? Like with the effects and the soundtrack, the score. John Carpenter does the music. He does all the music in all his films. Like if you watch Halloween, that's his theme. 
and this and i just think the soundtrack is like typical 80s soundtrack it's exactly what they was trying to achieve when they done like stranger things isn't it you know yeah yeah and i thought it was brilliant and like the way it grows it's all synthesized but the way it grows when there's tension and that it's just yeah really great really felt really enjoyed the score really enjoyed a lot of this it's very colorful vibrant film wasn't it yeah yeah i think uh when it first started playing sort of the jack burton character when they're setting up who jack burton is i thought it it felt at first that it was a little bit too much a little bit overpowering but yeah as the film goes on and you're just like that is just who he is that is just the character like you know they haven't done it too much just that that is the character the character is too much yeah and uh yeah i just thought it was sort of brilliant sort of uh i can't rem- I couldn't remember kurt russell being so young in it but <laughs> yeah just i don't know it just seems crazy and it's just i, I don't remember him being such an idiot the character being no, such an idiot no he is an he idiot just, isn't he and- it's fucking brilliant (laughs) but at first it's like he's in the truck and he's on his cb and it's like does he do a radio station from his truck is that what they're saying it's like yeah who the fuck's he talking to yeah if you as a trucker driving you'd be like fucking hell it's this dick again (laughs) turn over fucking jack burton fuck off (laughs) jack burton always says Put the hammer down or whatever the hell fuck. Yeah, I know. I tried to remember what he was saying. I didn't write anything down because he was talking like too quick. But um, Kurt Russell is great in it. When he dresses up as that little nerdy bloke when he goes to buy the woman. Yes. Should we uh, just should we go through the plot quickly for people who don't know the film? Yeah, prob- perhaps people don't know the film. Probably best you do that because I'm still a little confused. Yeah. Well. Jack Burton has a bet with um, a friend of his or an associate of his who is Wang Chi, played by Dennis Dunn. And Dennis Dunn loses and owes Jack Burton some money. They do double or quits. And then he loses again and he owes Jack even more money. And he'll say, I'll pay you next time. And Jack's like, no, I'm coming to get the money now. So he takes him back to Chinatown to get the money. But then Dennis is like, I've got to pick up my girlfriend, my fiance." is arriving and they go to the airport where they meet Kim Cottrell, who's also meeting someone from the airport. And then Wang Chi's girlfriend gets abducted by some ninjas or samurais or something or gangsters, didn't they really? Yeah, like, yeah. And then they have to go and rescue her. And they, it's, they get embroiled. They get caught up in this sort of mystical, magical Chinese, Fucking hell! I don't know. This is why. This is why I didn't want to. How have I done, Dave? How have I done? <laughs> so basically, there's some uh, mystical Chinese guy who needs to marry a woman with green eyes and then sacrifice her so that he can have a physical embodiment uh, and then go about the rest of his plans. And it uh, just so happens. What's his name? Lo Pan or something, isn't it? Yeah, Lo Pan. Yeah, and it just so happens that. Um, your man's girlfriend has got green eyes, but it also happens that the the other woman, who is uh, Kim Cattrall. Grace Gracie Gracie Law, yeah, 
played by has, Kim Cattrall. Yeah, has green eyes. And then um, Kurt Russell <laughs> and Dennis Dunn decide to go in, guns blazing, not really knowing what's going on, to try and retrieve them with the help of uh, Eggshed, Eggshen, Eggshen. Victor, Victor Wong. Yeah. And um, at the end, a man explodes. Yeah. <laughs> it is so bizarre, <laughs> isn't it? Not just the man exploded, but loads of stuff. There was another bit I remembered at the very end. I remember the very end shot, but only when I was watching it and he's going off in his truck and I was like, oh yeah, that hairy hand comes out and the, the monster. Yeah. That yeah, hairy yeah, monster yeah. thing. I remember. What was that all about? Watching it. But apparently these are based on actual Chinese legends. Right. Apparently. Whether they are or not, I don't know. I sort of watched a making of documentary from when it came out. But whether that's true or not, I don't know. Because I remember watching a similar thing on Poltergeist where Steven Spielberg was saying that, you know, oh, this is all based on true event, you know, on actual recorded events. And he's like, fuck off, Spielberg, is it? <laughs> and then as time's gone on, you hear that Spielberg tried to get proper, like, ghost watchers, go like, supernatural experts to verify the film and say that it would, you know, think this really happens. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that doesn't really happen. <laughs> Um, and I can imagine it's quite the same with this. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Apparently, well, it's based I mean, on true. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about Chinese history that we don't know. I mean, that could quite well be the case, but, you know, it would be speculation to claim it without having any facts, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we could go through the, the plot as on um, Wikipedia, sort of read it paragraph at a time and then discuss that <laughs> unless there's anything you like to jump into well no i just um it's just a really really strange film isn't it you know it's it's captivating all the way through i didn't find i was quite tired when i watched it and i was quite anticipating falling asleep but it kept me glued to it the whole time which, yeah yeah so um, i sort of got go a bit, bit bored at the end the last half hour to me right i don't know it's fights and action again isn't it it's, it's not a particularly me, long film though is it no it isn't but it did feel longer the last half to me felt a bit drawn out right but yeah it's not it's only 99 minutes long it's not you know barely over an hour and a half which is just about right if that film was made today it'd be like two hours two and a half hours wouldn't it yeah it's it a quick taste though as well wasn't it oh yeah it is it doesn't always make sense where they've gone from one place to the other, does it? Or how they... No. I don't know. It just moves at such a pace. The opening scene where you have... What's the Chinese bloke called? The old man? Egg? Egg Wong. Egg on your chin. Egg, Egg Wong. Uh, Vic, Victor Egg Wong. Egg Shell. Victor Wong. Egg... Shen. Egg Shen. Yeah, played by Victor Wong. He's a sorcerer and an old enemy of Lo Pan, who also drives a tour bus around Chinatown. Yeah, but um, yeah, the opening scene where it shows him giving the talk it doesn't feel part of the film, does it? You know what I mean? He's being interviewed by an attorney or something. Yeah, who's defending him uh, for damages? Yeah, and he they say about Kurt Russell. Yeah, like about Jack Burton not being a 
a hero or something and he's like he is a hero but apparently this scene was only put on as an afterthought at the end of the film they got him back to film that scene because they thought jack didn't come across as a hero but whether it's the studio's intervention saying no you we need something at the beginning to explain that jack is the hero <laughs> so that scene was sort of wedged in there and i well, watching i found that out afterwards but watching it i was like it doesn't go back to that or anything. It's like, what was that all about at the beginning? Yeah, it's almost you know? like it really doesn't fit. No, no. And that's why, because it was... Uh... That um, Victor Wong, he he was in The Golden Child as well, wasn't he? He was in The Golden Child, yeah. I can't really remember The Golden Child either, but I remember I didn't really like that when I was younger. I think I watched it once or twice, but never really got on with it. Yeah. Eddie Murphy, isn't yeah. it? The only bit I can remember of that is where he's turning that stone and going, I want the something. Yeah. I <laughs> Pretended he's scratching it like a record. There's a scene where he has to go through a series of um, challenges carrying a glass of water and he's not allowed to spill a drop and there's a part where he really clearly spills some. <laughs> and um, a woman doing backflips across a lawn gets shot with a bow and arrow or something. Right. Anyway, that's about as much as I remember. Yeah, I can't remember that at all. And there was a kid with quite a sparkly complexion. I can't remember that <laughs> at all. So Kim Cattrall is the sort of the female interest in this, and she's she play. Was she play a lawyer? Isn't it? No, no. She what, is she a lawyer? It's something like, like that, isn't it? And she's yeah. there to protect the people, are looking out for the interests of the Chinese inhabitants of Chinatown or something. I don't, I couldn't quite get what her character was but she's always looking out for people isn't she yeah and she was trying to get um the what's going on of uh because she i think she was sort of trying to stop sex trafficking wasn't she is that what it is yeah and the right. sale of um oh yeah because they was like slave trading basically weren't they yeah and then she gets that kate burton or that margot character who's a reporter to try and write it up doesn't she yeah it's kate burton i recognize her but from something recently, I was thinking that when I was watching it, I was like, where have I seen her recently? I don't know. I must have seen, I feel like I've seen her in something. But as an older woman. But uh, Kim Cattrall is quite famous, isn't she now? She was... Yeah. In the 80s, she was in the Police Academy film, I think is the first time I remember seeing her. And in this, at the beginning, when she's at the airport, she's got the same sort of stance looking up as she does in Police Academy. And I thought, oh, is this it? Is this all she does? <laughs> She's also in Mannequin, wasn't she? Do you remember Was Mannequin? Was she? Yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. Mannequin in that? But now most famous for being the dirty slapper in uh, Sex and the City, isn't she? I don't know, Matt. I've never seen any of those. I don't know what her character is. I mean, no, they, I not aren't they it, all slappers? I, I think she was the dirty one from what I got of the adverts when they used to play trailers and stuff on it. I got the impression they was all trying to be dirty. I don't know. I think she was the one that was uh, dirtier. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, her character was better than I thought she was going to be in the opening scenes. Yeah. I don't know. They're all just fun all just enjoying themselves aren't they yeah i think it was i enjoyed seeing kurt russell or jack burton walk up to her in the uh in the uh airport or whatever and try and sort of hit on uh 
Kim Cattrall would just like fall flat on his face, you know? <laughs> Yeah. That was that was good fun. Yeah, he was. There's a lot of good fun with him, isn't there? Um, as we mentioned, we'll get back to it now. Where he goes to try and buy that woman back. Yeah, and they send him in dressed as like a real nerd with a sort of a swept down hair and these big thick glasses. <laughs> it just, it just, it did look exactly like he was supposed to look. Like he was uncomfortable and sort of. <laughs> Like really Weasley sort of like I don't want to be a kind of character. It was, yeah, it's a good good look for him, I think. Yeah, but also but yeah. like completely against everything he's ever played, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean he is a good sort of comedy actor. You think in um, Overboard? Yeah, he's quite good in that, isn't he? With uh, his wife, what's her name? Yeah. Um, Goldie's Horn. Yeah, Golden Horns. Golden, Golden's Horn. Yeah. But, like, all the way through this, every time he tries to do stuff, it always goes wrong and where he shoots just for the big fight and he's like, come on! And he shoots up in the air and then all the rubble falls on his head. <laughs> <laughs> Knocks him out of the fight. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. great. <laughs> he just, yeah, he just doesn't know quite what he's doing all the way through. And his character tries to be this sort of hyper-masculine tough guy and he's just, like, literally comes off as not quite that all the way through, doesn't he? Yeah, he always sort of ploughs in there without really much thought, isn't it? You know, he's not really... Yeah. Doesn't think about things. And uh, his look, like these suede, really weird suede brown button-up boots... <laughs> yeah yeah was that a thing in the 80s because they looked awful didn't they? i think those boots were literally just to cover up that knife he had in his boots weren't they but he could have had like cowboy boots that would have been better wouldn't it yeah yeah maybe they just looked awful like <laughs> and then he's got that vest but this like watching this uh and we watched recently didn't we uh kung fury yes yeah and hasn't kung fury nailed it when you look at sort of trying to replicate the eighties and that eighties sensibility and yeah, yeah. sound and everything. It's just perfect for this. I think. But I think sort of, um, Kurt Russell's outfit is, is, uh, perfect contrast to everything else that's going on around him, isn't it? Cause everything yeah. else is so, um, Eastern oriental in, yeah. in its nature that he's sort of, he stands out so well because of his costume and his outfit. And I love those saddlebags as well that he carries over his shoulder. Um, yeah. that, like, There's no explanation for what's in them or anything. It's just like, you know, I don't even have a saddle or a horse, but maybe it's that hark back to the fact that it was originally meant to be the Western, like, you know? Yeah. So he's got those saddlebags over his shoulder and he's... Um, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, as well, like, there's so many scenes in the film where he's got his knife out of his boot for no apparent reason. He's trying to bite it in his teeth just to... I don't know. It's, it's, it's like he feels like this is what he should be doing because he's a man on a mission, but doesn't really know what he's doing. I just, yeah. I'm chuckling all the way through it, like you know. Yeah, it, it, you were saying about the the like the eastern look. The set design on this was fantastic. Yeah, some of the the outfits and stuff, but like the 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 sets and Lopan's sort of palace and that. Really, you know, really, they really went to town on it. I mean, the, the the scene in the alley where you first they first get caught in the the fight and yeah. the Chinese standoff. 
Um, that feels a bit more like a set when I was when you're watching it. You can tell it's sort of on a sound stage somewhere, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still a great looking set. Um, and apparently, it was some of these sets were recycled for a Janet Jackson song called "If" years later, which oh. seems good because you know they were great great sets it'd be a shame to sort of break them down and waste them yeah but i also got a sense as well the special effects i found out later were by the same people who done the special effects in for ghostbusters right and they broke off from ilm industrial lights and magic to start their own production company for special effects and their first job was ghostbusters which I don't know if you've ever seen the making of Ghostbusters, but those, they was on such a short time scale. Yeah. That every time these guys would do the special effects, they'd just do like a test run, send it over to Ivan Reitman, and he put them straight in the film. <laughs> so they was like, oh, we could have done better. But he's thought, no, they're good enough. And they, they are great in Ghostbusters. But a lot of the effects here, again, you can tell it's the same people. Um, and I was thinking that there's so many links to Ghostbusters watching this, yeah, like with the blue lightning and what have you. Um, but then when you see Egg, what's his name? Egg, Egg Shen, Egg Shen, when you see his um depot, it's just like the Ghostbusters. I was like, is that the same, yes, set? Yeah, as I know the Ghostbusters mean. headquarters, yeah, yeah, because it looked it, and then they even had a, a even had a pole to slide down there, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, which takes them straight under Chinatown, which was really sort of weird. But then, like, well, we've the... been under Chinatown in London, Naif, haven't we? Oh my god, yes, we have. <laughs> 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 we came up in that really angry, um, like, oh, what do you, what would you call it? Like a tat shop, Looks like a souvenir shop, cigarette shop, wasn't it? Or... Oh my goodness. Yeah, he was so angry but didn't speak a word of English. <laughs> Sorry, mate, it's the only way we could get out. All the other exits are blocked. <laughs> Long story, people. <laughs> <laughs> but we did end up in Catac. We were sent out of a venue for uh, being unruly on my stag do and led down this passage and ended up in. The catacombs under London. It was weird. <laughs> oh, it's such a weird experience. I don't know. I tell people about it and I just, they're looking, you know, they, they just can't grasp how weird it was to have been lost <laughs> in that scenario. You know? But this film gives you a sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> but yeah, so they're, they're just, and why, why is the underground of Chinatown so spooky and weird and like, unlike any other sewer you've ever been in? Yeah. Not really explained. And then, oh my God, what was that weird creature that just comes out of the wall and eats eats one of the like the ninjas? Like, what the fuck? Oh, there's lots of weird things, isn't there? There's like the weird hair, hairy... Ape type thing. Sort of ape monster Bigfoot thing. Yeah. Then there's the weird ball, floating ball thing. With the eyes. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. that is hideous. Yeah. <laughs> it's proper strange. I can't... I remember watching this really young and it surprises me that I wasn't more freaked out by it when I was young, but I actually sort I of quite enjoyed it. 
yeah, I don't think it's scary. Scary. It's just like, like I say, Ghostbusters sort of scary, isn't it? Yeah, it's like just weird, just scary. nonsensical, weird creatures. And also, like you got, we haven't mentioned the the free sort of samurai. What is it? The, what are they called the storms? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The storms. Yes. And they just remind me of like Mortal Kombat for some reason. When I yeah. watch that. Is there a character like that in Mortal Kombat or something? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I can't remember his name. But you've got thunder, rain and lightning, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, lightning was cool because, you know, he, he rides in on a lightning bolt. So <laughs> I like the one with the, the spinning weapons on his hands. Yeah. Sort of, I like that. Yeah. Uh, if you were going to be one of the three, like rain is probably the one you wouldn't want to be. It's like, yeah. And the thing is, is rain and lightning stand next to each other quite a lot. I mean, you've got to ask yourself, is that a recipe for disaster? Well, yeah, you don't want to electrocute your water sources, do you? No, no, no. I mean, that could that could cause problems for everyone involved, couldn't it? I mean, someone pr- should probably go and speak to Mr. Lopan about that and sort of point yeah, out say, the look, potential hazards. Yeah. Well, I think but, if it happened in this day and age, you'd have had to fill out all sorts of uh, sort of risk well, assessments. And yeah, health and safety would have been all over that, wouldn't they? It'd be like, look, mate, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I don't mind you having thunder and lightning together, uh, but I, I think you're going to have to keep rain isolated. Yeah. And why was there no wind? I know. I think there should have been a wind. Wind would have been better than rain, surely. Yeah, I mean, just getting people a bit damp probably isn't. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. There was that. Yeah. <laughs> I love the... Um, but like I was saying, it's, I mean, this came sort of at the tail end of a massive sort of kung fu era, I suppose, wasn't it? Um, and it seems a strange film for John Carpenter to have a go at, doesn't it? Yeah. And you think most of his films are a bit more gritty, even if they are a bit tongue-in-cheek. You know, Halloween is a memorable horror film. Um, the Thing is just a real eerie and disturbing sort of creature film, isn't it? You know, horror. Yeah. Um, but this is just so off the wall. It's just, it's just bizarre, but hilarious at the same time. I suppose he'd done, he'd done Starman as well, hadn't he? Which is um, a bit of a romance, isn't it? I don't know if I've seen that. Jeff Bridges, she's lost her husband and then this alien comes down and takes the form of her husband. Right. That's Jeff Bridges. But uh, yeah, I suppose he does. He's done a variety of films. Um, But this actually... It cost, I think it was like twenty eight million to make, and it flopped badly. It only made eleven million when it was released. No way. I think, yeah. Oh, twenty between nineteen and twenty five million to make. Um, it was released during the hype for James Cameron's Aliens, which would come out sixteen days later. But yeah, it only made eleven million. But in the years after, it's become a cult classic and many people's favourite uh, John Carpenter film. Well, I quite like it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of films flop when they first come out, you know? Of course they do, don't they? Yeah, that just then go on to become good films. And then, like we've discussed before in the past, a lot of films win Oscars over films that we're still talking about now, whereas the film that won the Oscar, you look back and go, I've never fucking heard of that. 
<laughs> and if you watch it now, it's probably shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Things yeah. and stuff. But there's like a real sort of a, a street fight, a double dragon feel to this film, isn't there? Oh, double dragon. Yeah, there's a definite <laughs> fucking double dragon feel to It doesn't, film. he wear like the same vest in double dragon. I seem to picture Jack, what he's wearing it just seems very reminiscent of double dragon to me. It does very much so, doesn't it? Um, I think what it is, is it's very much the cover. Do you remember the cover for the computer game Double Dragon? Perhaps, yeah. I think so. I think I think Matey Boy had longish, well, maybe shorter hair, but he had some sort of tied headband on, a bit like Kung yeah, Fury. Yeah. But then he had the vest top on. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So what are you playing with there? Where? I can hear it. My watch is vibrating. Is it? Yeah, hang on. Let me Sounds turn. like mine does when I press things. Let me turn that off a minute. <laughs> um, the makeup as well with the ancient low pan was quite quite effective as well. The, yeah, yeah. And isn't that a funny scene where they're all like wielding <laughs> together <laughs> and then in comes low pan. It's just all things you don't expect to see in action films. No. It? Strange. But the um, the other scene that sort of spun me out, and I really didn't have a fucking clue what was going on, is when the two women were brought in in some sort of um, dress garb, and then the the three storms are like... Oh, do their little performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the girls <laughs> like float up to the ceiling and touch something. And then touch it's like, like oh... A- They've both the passed. <laughs> I'll marry them both because they touched the light bulb. Yeah, they turned the light on. So, yes. And it had to be one of those ones that you touch three times, I think. I mean, it you, it gets brighter every time you touch it. Is it one of those light bulbs? Yeah, it? I think that's what it, <laughs> it looked like to me. That's exactly what it was, bruv. Yeah, and uh, like the girl that is um, Dennis Dunn's girlfriend. Yeah, Susie Pye. Yeah, who is sort of when she's floating as well. That reminded me of Ghostbusters, and even the same dress that she's wearing. Yeah, as Dana Barrett's Scorny Weaver is wearing that sort of light floaty dress, but it's got the same sort of shimmery look to it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Very similar. You can tell it's the same production company working on both films. They're just like, oh, we've done this last time, that works. Let's do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, and I love it at the end as well when he comes in, he rescues Kim Cattrall and then she, she kisses him. And then he, like, does the last scene with all her lipstick all over his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. Yeah, it just really does turn the hero on his head, doesn't it? That's what I love about this film. He's trying to be the cool man. He speaks like, like Andy said in his email, like John Wayne. He's got that swagger and he's got all the answers and all the the gift of the gab, but he's just so bloody clumsy and so... Like when he puts his knife up and um, stabs it into Matey Boy as he's fallen onto him with his armour and then he just gets stuck with Matey Boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's stuck underneath him. <laughs> so there's a lot of... Oh, um, yeah, a lot of sort of magic and sorcery and stuff that sort of doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's cool, that's fine, that's kind of what the film's about. <laughs> so I sort of enjoyed it. I didn't question it too much. Um, 
yeah, I just, yeah, I think all in all, it's just a really enjoyable film, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I think yeah. once you start questioning it, I think there are some films that are awful and you, you can't help but question them because you just didn't enjoy the film. But with this, I feel like I'm very forgiving with the film. Yeah, I mean, it's not taking itself seriously, is it? Yeah, because you enjoy it and because it's not taking itself so seriously, you sort of like, you don't mind that things don't make too much sense. You know, you just sort of laugh at it as opposed to sort of uh, allow it to frustrate you or anger you in any way. Yeah. It's all so out there, but like you say, it is fun from the word go. And it's just, it's just stupid and, but deliberately so. Yeah. Um, and I've got to say as well, like the Port Chop Express, I fucking love that truck. That is an awesome looking truck. Yeah. Yeah. And the way it's driven, like he drives it quite aggressively, like handbrake turning and stuff. And, uh, you know, I really, I don't know, man, I could really sort of see myself cruising around in a truck like that if I was a millionaire. If he was a millionaire. Yeah. You'd buy a truck like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, with the current fuel situation, you'd have to, you'd have to have something have with big be, tanks. Yeah. Yeah. But I also like the the end, the, or one of the final scenes where they're all sort of saying goodbye and um, Jack Burton saying goodbye to Gracie Law and uh, who is it? Is it Margot's like, what, what? you're not even going to kiss her goodbye? And he's just like, nah, I'm off. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. He's not gone in for the, for the kiss like you would expect in that sort of action film. The guy gets the go at the end. Yeah. He's not bothered. No. He just wanted his truck. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> he knows He knows how much hassle it's going to be having a woman in his life. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you know, if you've got a bigger truck with a cab in the back for two, and it's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Because there's a scene where they get in the truck, and he's like, my truck. And he's so happy to see it. And they all get in, and he's like, oh, they've took the key. She's like, haven't you got a spare one? Yes, I've got a spare one, but it's... Oh, it's under here, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, I I think Kurt Russell is brilliant in this. I really do. Yeah, I'm just fond of Kurt Russell. He's one of those guys from the 80s who you just... You can't dislike, can you? When you see him in stuff. Always good fun. He might not be the greatest actor. He's not going to be like, you know breaking down in tears and, you know, giving a, a groundbreaking performance. But in this type of film, he's just brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, this is it's a perfect film for him. Like, you know, I really enjoyed him in... Um, have you seen The Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, the dad in Yeah, that. I really enjoyed See, him I didn't that. think that film was as good as the first one. No. no. Bored me a bit yeah. towards the end. But, yeah, he was... Great casting as uh, Chris Chris Pratt's name? dad, yeah. Chris Pratt, yeah. What's his Star name? Starchild. Star, yeah, as Starchild's dad in that. And again, it's sort of he's got that that same attitude as he has in this, isn't he? Yeah. You know, blasé and just he's in it for himself. Um, and he's in Death Proof with the Tarantino film. Never seen that. Have you seen that one? No, I don't think I have. I think it was a double bill, wasn't it, that they done with um, Robert Rodriguez and they both sort of made like a real trashy, deliberately trashy sort of 
seventies styled flick each. Right. And Tarantino's was death proof. Uh, and it's, I think he's like a driver in that, but I've only just sort of seen clips of it, but he, he, you can see why he's been chosen in that role as well. You know, Tarantino sees these characters as these actors and I don't think it takes him any sort of yeah, yeah. trouble to get hold of them. Does it? What about, um, the escape from New York and escape from Los Angeles? See, I've no, I've not seen them. No, no, there's not a lot of John, Carpenter films I've seen. I've seen this one. I've seen Halloween, uh, The Thing, and recently I've watched The Fog. And I think that's the only John Carpenter films I've watched. It's probably like three quarters of his films. <laughs> I think I watched um, Escape from New York. Yeah. Where Kurt Russell plays it, the character Snake, doesn't he? Is that the first one? Cause... Yeah, I think, I think um, looking at it, Escape from New York was first because uh, on the cover of um, escape from LA it says Snake is back so I'm guessing that oh, that right. would be the sequel yeah and also it seems like the sequel didn't score quite such a high rating as the original but the original's got a decent rating it's got a rating of 7.5 or 7.2 sorry yeah that's another one that's considered a classic in Carpenter's first film Dark Star um, was written with John Carpenter and a chap called Dan O'Bannon Right. And it's basically Alien, but it's like more of a comedy film. And it's written before Alien. And Dan O'Bannon went on to write Alien. But I'm sure it's like there's a a beach ball or something. Right. Comes onto the ship. Or so. I did remember watching it years ago or watching something about it at least. But yeah, that's like one of John Carpenter's early films. And John Carpenter, as I said, he does all the music for these films. Yeah. And there was like a, a, a song released of Big Trouble in Little China, but it's so awful. <laughs> and John Carpenter playing the guitar and singing. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't know, is this... When the Lopan first comes in, all under the like the heavy makeup, yeah. I almost thought that was John Carpenter in under that makeup. Right, yeah, yeah. And I had to Google it, but no, it's not. It's the actual actor who plays Lopan under makeup because he did he would sort of have cameos in his films occasionally so i thought oh, i wonder if that's him but i was, wouldn't even know what he looks like he looks a bit like granddad out of fools and horses these days Nathan. does he <laughs> yeah the american film director john carpenter oh well yeah dunny dunny <laughs> so this is like john carpenter before done like um mainly independent films, little small films that he'd done before. This one here had been um, a studio production, so he was sort of lent on. I think it was like one of the last ones he'd done. Right. Because he was, uh, he said they completely interfered all the time and he blames them and their marketing or lack of it for the failure at the cinema, at the box office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I have watched as well, actually. Another John Carpenter film that he'd done after this was uh, They Live. Have you seen that? Rowdy Roddy Piper. I don't know if I've seen it. The Wrestler, where he finds his glasses, he puts his glasses on, and you can see aliens and subliminal messages and things like that in all the yeah. advertising. don't know if I've seen it. It's on Netflix. It's quite an interesting one. I'll have a look at that. Mm. 
yeah. Anything else you'd like to say, my son? I mean, I don't know what else to say, mate. I mean, it's so the thing is, is it's a very standalone film, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's not like um, there's anything else. There's not really anything you can compare it to. I don't think. I mean, when you said Golden Child, when you mentioned Golden Child, I mean that's in a similar vein. It's a film that doesn't take itself too seriously. It's got very strong Eastern influences. Yeah, as a few films at the time did. Yeah. Um, it's got that weird mystical magical element to it. It, uh, you know, some of the same actors, or at least Victor Wong, uh, was in it as well. Yeah, but still a very different film. Yeah, well, they was being made at the same time as each other, weren't they? And I think Big Trouble in Little China just released first. I think right, yeah. But both of those films both flopped. The Golden Child flopped as well. I'm quite sure. Did you know that both of the girls who have green eyes in the film both have brown eyes and have to wear contact lenses? Right, there you go. Yeah. Bit of trivia. I love a bit of trivia. You got any more? No, I don't know. Oh, hang on. The interior of Egg Chen's garage office is Fire Station 23, the same building as used in Ghostbusters. So I was right. I thought they looked the same building, didn't I? I said that, didn't I? You did say that. And they were. Well, I feel like my life is complete but, now. Yeah, no, so that was a good, that was a listener's choice again, Naif. It was a listener's choice. So thanks for that, Andy. Um, in what well, I really enjoyed it. If it wasn't for Andy's suggestion about watching it, I probably wouldn't have watched this film again for a very long time. No, you know, it's not one that I've ever really gone back to since the 80s. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like it's redundant. It doesn't feel like um, it doesn't stand up today. I still enjoyed it, and I still think the effects that were in it, all right, some of the sort of costumes and that were a little bit hammy, but I think sort of, I still think it was a good film by today's standards. Yeah, I mean, it, it is of its time, but as we say, the 80s, fun time, and there's a lot of films you can watch that border on the absurd and far-fetched, but you don't mind, and you just... You're just willing to enjoy it and, yeah, nostalgic. So thank you ever so much, Andy, for that. Thank you, Nath, for joining me. Thank you, Trev, for inviting me along, as always. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And if you do want to get your own suggestions in, then please write to us at wnmovietalk at gmail.com or you can find us over on facebook.com forward slash we need to talk about movies podcast. Can't you, Nathan? Yes, you can. So, anyway, yeah, next week, it's... Is it my choice? Is it your choice? Yes, it is. It's my choice. <laughs> cool, that's come around quick. Isn't it? Can't remember, I can't remember what I chose last time. Oh, Christ. Does that mean I'm going to have to think of another Yeah, option? a couple of weeks, and you've got to think of one. Anyway, so, yeah, thanks ever so much, everyone, and we will see you all again soon. Chase! Chase! I said chase. You said chase? Chase. Chase. Chase, please. Chase.